What if I had been killed in that automobile accident? What would my legacy have been? My legacy would have been he came from nothing, made something out of it, and retired at an early age. Nowhere in there would people have said my life was better as a result of having known him. And my legacy today, that's what I want it to be. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, Grace for Impact. You and I are a lot alike. We're busy and sometimes we get stuck and we need tools to help us get unstuck. And this is why I'm such a huge fan of the Unstuck app. And you can go back and listen to episode one to hear why. But today I'm even more pumped because the Unstuck team has just launched an online platform called Life Courses to help us make a change in our lives by first helping us understand what's holding us back and then helping design a personalized action plan for moving forward. I just started the first Life Course myself, and it's a high-impact, awesome experience, something you and I can do together. I know what you're saying. I'm too busy and still Life Courses is designed specifically for busy people like you and me, and you're worth it, I'm worth it. So head over to unstuck.com forward slash impact and sign up today. I'd love to hear back from you. Send me your stories via email at info at theimpactentrepreneur.net or the Impact Entrepreneur Show Facebook page. And of course, we will link to all of this awesomeness in the show notes. Welcome to round three of the Impact Entrepreneur Show Leadership Series. We are super pumped about today's guest, Aaron Walker. Aaron is a businessman and life coach, and he's inspired many, many men through his leadership, mentorship, and consistent pursuit of excellence. He enjoys helping others and believes experience is a great teacher. With 35 years of entrepreneurship under his belt and a marriage, Those two things have given Aaron a wealth of experience. Aaron continues to reach new heights and broaden his perspectives of the terrain by examining his experiences and growing from them. On this episode, we cover a lot, bust out your pens and papers, take some notes, but here's a few of the things that we do talk about, how failure has helped him become a better leader, why it's important to understand the difference between being content and being complacent, and how limited beliefs really prevent us from achieving our full potential and having the significance that we want to have in the world and so much more. So brace for impact. Well, Aaron Walker, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Very excited to host you today. And I know that you are going to deliver in a big way and have a huge impact on the audience. Mike, thanks for having me, buddy. The Impact Entrepreneur is an awesome show, and it's a privilege to be your guest. So thank you. I always kick things off with a a fun but intentional question, which is, if you could pick any superpower, what would it be 
and how would you use it? You know, my superpower would have to be the ability to prioritize. Everybody says I'd like to manage time better, which you can't do. You know, you can't manage time. Uh, but we can manage our priorities, and I would use it to specifically niche down so that I can be an inch wide and a mile deep rather than an inch deep and a mile wide. So it would absolutely be the ability to prioritize properly right out of the gate. So how can we, as entrepreneurs, apply the essence of that of that power? I mean, that that's something that I think that we all possess the ability to do if we're intentional and disciplined. So how, how would you advise entrepreneurs to a, approach living out that superpower? Yeah, well, here's the thing. As I said just earlier, you can't manage time. There's only so much time, right? So you have to focus on the things that are most important to you. And we do that. We say that audibly, but our actions are screaming at people because we're not doing it, right? We say it and it sounds good, but people watch what you do, not what you say. And so I just say that we've got to pick the top priorities. You know, mine is, you know, my faith, my family, uh, my relationships, uh, my finances, my schedule, uh, and civic responsibilities that I have. And outside of that, when the shiny objects come, I look at my plan and say, I would love to do that, but it's not in my priorities. See, priority was a singular word until the early 1900s, and we made it plural. There's no way that you can focus and give the kind of attention that two things need. So we have, we need a singular priority to work on at a time. And people just don't do that. I think you need accountability. You need somebody to help you work through it. And I think it needs to be written, not just articulated verbally. Yeah, there's a great book uh, by Greg Mc. McGowan, I think is McCowan. his last name. Yep. McCowan, yeah, Essentialism. called Essentialism. Yep. Yeah, it's a must read, man. I'm telling you, if your audience hasn't read that, you need to read it because it will change your life. Greg masterfully maps out in the book how we try to do 15 things, but you don't have the bandwidth to do that. You've only got the bandwidth really to do about three things and do them well. And Greg lays it out in the book that if you'll quit trying to be an inch deep and a mile wide and do all these things, if you'll niche down and become an expert and be the inch wide and a mile deep, people will line up to buy your services or your product. But we lose focus of that and we just try to chase the shiny optic syndrome and do everything. And it's impossible if you're going to be very successful. Uh, you need to niche down and really focus on two or three things. There are There is an amazing app called Commit to Three that a previous guest introduced me to, which is a you know, goal-oriented, priority-oriented uh, tool that you could use every day and actually team up with people to hold you accountable to achieving the whatever those top three items are for that particular day. It's really powerful. I wrote it down, man. I'm taking notes. <laughs> That's good because we don't want you to be a podcast junkie. That's how I kick off all my shows. <laughs> That's good. You talk a lot about mentors and you've had a lot of mentors in your own life. Can you tell us a story about a particular mentor who has impact your outlook? Yeah, there's a couple of guys that have really impacted me, and we'll just go back the past couple of decades. Uh, Bob Warren was a guy that really impacted me. I have a spiritual mentor. I'm a Christian by faith, and so I really paid close attention to Bob Warren. Over a 12-year period, he really walked me through some difficult scenarios. He was a great spiritual mentor. A guy by the name of Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love, has been a mastermind participant with me, uh, along with Dave Ramsey and 
Ken Abraham and Jeff Mosley, some guys that are here in Nashville. We meet in Dave's office. And Dan Miller specifically has been a real close mentor to me, helping me and training me and showing me how to uh, be more productive in my day. And so he's my go-to guy. He's the reason I'm coaching now. I retired out of bricks and mortar uh, back five years ago and got in the online world. And he's been my mentor standing by me each and every day. And he's the very reason that I'm even in this business. So yeah, he's radically changed my life. And I'm sure it's it's impacted the way that you even coach your own your own clients and and uh, customers, which we'll get to in a second, because this is your third venture as an entrepreneur, right? Uh, twelfth. Twelfth. Uh, I've okay. had twelve businesses. I've <laughs> retired three times, and I've owned multiple businesses during each. You know, thirty-eight years now, Mike. I've been an entrepreneur, and so I've had a dozen businesses. But I think what you're referring to is I've retired three times and it hasn't worked out well for me because I wasn't being uh, productive and I had to do something. So I've come out of retirement three times. Well, tell us why you're an entrepreneur then. Maybe you can share how your reasons have changed over the years and what the impact moment was that launched you on your current path. Yeah, very cool. I got to go way back and I got to give you a little story. Okay, is that all right? Yeah, uh, I go way back, 13 years old. I started working for a retail shop in Madison, Tennessee, 11 miles outside of Nashville, where I, I'm still a native Nashvilleian. Fell in love with the business. I went in partners with a couple of guys that had a lot of money because my family didn't have any. I mean, we were like broke. My dad was a great man, but he wasn't a good businessman. So at seven years old, we went through a bankruptcy, lost our house that my dad gave $6,500 for. So the house we grew up in was very modest, 600 square feet, six people lived in it. Uh, so I know all about Mike being poor. And so through that process, I watched how hard my dad worked because my dad was a hard worker. He was in the construction business and he has swept snow off of the roof during the winter so he could re-roof the house. And I remember wow. watching him do that. And first of all, I was very grateful. I thought, man, there's not many dads that would work that hard for their family. Simultaneously, I was thinking about that and I thought, God, I don't want to do that. I mean, that is like dead gum hard work. And I thought, man, there's got to be a different way. And so mm -hmm. it inspired me kind of to run from something, not to something. And that's not necessarily the best way to do it, but it inspired me nonetheless. And so when I was 18 years old working at this retail shop, I met a couple of guys that own the 21st largest insurance agency in the country. And I approached them one day and I said, listen, why don't we take your money and my experience and open our own store? And they started laughing and they said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 18. He said, we've never had anybody 18 approach us. And I said, well, you know what? I've been here five years. I've got a lot of experience. I just don't have any money. So, Mike, make a long story short, we formed a partnership. They went along with it. They checked on me in the community at my church. They called my schools. They called, you know, everybody that they could that knew me and said, this guy's a pretty good guy. So we formed a partnership, went in business. We each owned a third. And, man, God just blessed our business immeasurably. It was crazy. I got married two weeks out of high school. My wife graduated a year behind me, 18 years old. She was. I was 19. We got married. And then she started coming down, helping me in the business, and it was crazy. It was just did so good because we worked like villains. I mean, we worked so hard, but we put the money back into the company. 
we didn't increase our lifestyle. So we took an $18,000 a year salary, and we poured all the money back into the company. We paid a 10-year loan off in 36 months. Mm. I mean, that's pretty amazing. If you think back, 21 years old, we have no money. Now we have a paid-for business. So we duplicated that again for a second store and took about four years to pay that one off. And by the time I was 27, I had four stores. A company called Cash America came to town. They were growing through acquisitions. They're a Fortune 500 company. And they rung that bell, Mike. They said, hey, you know, this is what we'll do. And I'm like, gum. You know, I go from nothing at 18 to 27. I retired. 18 months later, my wife woke me up from a nap. She says, you're getting fat and lazy. You know, you need to get a job. You need to start another business because you've gained 50 pounds in 18 months. Oh, my gosh. I was uh, I was borderline depressed because I didn't have any reason to get up. And everybody says, oh, man, I'd love to have such an opportunity. Well, yeah, that's good for about 90 days. Was that because you... You thought you were going to be fulfilled by achieving this yeah, goal, and I you weren't? I did. I thought, well, hey, I go from nothing to retiring at 27. Now I'm just going to play golf and fish every day. Well, that's pretty cool for 90 days. And then you wake up, and you're like, what am I going to do today? Well, I don't want to go play golf. I don't want to fish. And everybody, I, I hear the audience going, oh, yeah, I'd love to try that. Well, that's cool for a little while. But when you're 27 years old, it's like, hey, I got to do something. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. There's no reason to get up. So finally, I go back. I buy the company I started with when I was 13 years old. We spent the next 10 years growing that business. We grew it four times the size it was. Till, here's what happened, Mike. This is a horrible story, but it's part of my story. August 1st, 2001, things are good. I'm 40 years old. Business is great. Life's good. We got all the stuff, you know, and pedestrian crosses the street to catch a local bus. Didn't look my way. And I ran over and killed a pedestrian. Oh my gosh. August 1st, 2001. And I don't know if you've ever had anything happen to you that horrific, but it slows down. It's like you're watching a video. Everything kind of goes in slow motion. And I don't want to over-dramatize it, but the truth of the matter is, is everything kind of slows down. And I'm praying, God, please don't let that just happen. I mean, I don't, I'm like praying, maybe I'm mistaken. Well, I turn around, I stop at the side of the road, turn around, look, and there's this guy face down. Cars stopping everywhere. People jumping out of their cars and I can't even dial 911 on my cell phone. My hand's shaking so hard. So finally, I get my composure, dial 911. Police cars come from everywhere. Four lanes of traffic stop. Everybody's out of their cars. I get out of my car, and I walk over, and this guy's motionless, not moving. Make a long story short, his name was Enrique. He was 77 years old. He just didn't Mm. see me. He's from the Philippines. He was crossing the street to catch the bus. He just didn't see me, ran out in front of me. He lived three days in the Vanderbilt trauma unit, died, and uh, it changed my world. Yeah, I would imagine so. So I got home to Robin, and I said, listen, we've been working our whole marriage. I don't have to work. I'm retiring. I'm quitting. So I did. I sold the business. I retired. I took five years off. I didn't do anything for five years. We built a new house, and we traveled extensively. I had to get my legs back under me. God gave me the grace that I needed to deal with it because you don't get over that. You just learn to deal with it because it's somebody's dad, you know, it's somebody's father and their husband and their brother, you know what I'm saying? And it's something you still think about today. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 16 years ago or 15 years ago, this happened and yeah, you still deal with it. And here's, I'm getting to a point of the story. 
So five years later, Robin wakes me up again from a nap. She says, okay, you're getting fat and lazy again. And I'm like, okay. So I go in the construction business with the guy that built my house. Phenomenal contractor. This guy was the best, but he didn't have any business experience. I said, let's take my money. Let's take my experience in growing businesses and we'll grow your construction company. So next nine years, I spent growing a construction company from a mom and pop operation to we became number one builder three consecutive years here in Middle Tennessee. Mm. Turned 50 years old and I said, I'm done this time forever. And I go to my mastermind group and I said, I'm retiring. And my buddy Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller looked at me and they said, uh, well, this has not worked out well for you twice before. <laughs> what are you going to do? And I said, I'm done. This time I'm going to hunt and fish and I'm going to play golf. And they said, you're not going to do that. You won't do that for six months. And uh, Dave Ramsey said, come do Entree Leadership Mastery Series. Be my guest. See if you enjoy being a coach. And I said, I'm not coaching anybody. And he said, just come do it. So I did. And then Dan Miller said, hey, why don't you come do Innovate? And he does a coaching with excellence program and a program called Innovate. And we all live here in the same town. So that night I'm at Innovate and I'm on my way home and I get this text and I look down and it's Dan Miller. And he goes, Aaron, you have got to coach. He said, did you see the people leaning in when you were telling your story? And I just laughed and I said, well, I'm a good storyteller. And he said, no, you've got something to say, man. You've built a dozen businesses. You and Robin have been married over three decades been very successful. You need to train other people to do that. So I thought about it a little bit. And then a couple of guys called me and said, hey, I'd like for you to, you know, coach me. And so I, I dabbled in it a little bit. Then I got on a pretty famous podcast and my business kind of blew up from there. So the story is, is that I'm having more fun today than I've ever had in my entire life. We have seven mastermind groups we facilitate. We have the community. We have men from all over the world in our community. I coach men from 27 to 55 years old. I have one-on-one -on -one clients that are all over. And I'm helping ordinary men become extraordinary. And we do it in a holistic fashion. We don't do it just in business. And we don't do it just in life. We do it both because I think they're inseparable. And so mm -hmm. I help people accomplish their goals and dreams. I know I took a little longer than a couple of minutes to tell the background <laughs> story, but the reason I became an entrepreneur is so I can control my own schedule. So I have, I'm in charge of my destiny. Someone else is not. That's why I became an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and that goes right back all the way back to your, your desired superpower, you know, of, of, uh, prioritization. Right. And, and, you know, it's an amazing story and there's so much, so many lessons that are there, especially about leadership. And that's why I'm, I have you on the show is because I really think that you are a, an authority on, on leadership and, and what it takes to lead a, a whole successful life, a holistic successful life. And one of the questions I had as we kind of transition into talking specifically about leadership is how has failure helped you become a better leader? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest failures that I couch being a failure, uh, first, first, first of all, you know, we, we need two or three hours to really break this down. But I, <laughs> I don't believe in failure, first okay. of all. Uh, I believe you either succeed or you learn. And if we want to couch the automobile accident as a failure, uh, we'll go there. And here's what it helped me to discover. Up until that point, when I was 40 years old, all of my success had to do with me. 
we had a beautiful home. You know, we had all the stuff. We had nice cars. We took nice trips. We had a place on the beach down in Destin. At one time, we had a house for 10 years in the mountains. I had all the stuff. And I don't want to say to the people that are listening, oh, yeah, you're one of those guys that say money doesn't matter. That's not true. Money does matter. You're a liar if you say that. Money is very important. But don't make it your God. Don't make it Mm -hmm. your focal point, right? And so the failure, if we're going to call it that, helped me realize that I had great success, but I had no significance. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. nothing was about anybody else. Nobody cared, Mike, about my success but me, Robin, and my two girls. Outside of that, nobody cares. And I started thinking, golly, what if that had been me? What if I'd been killed in that automobile accident? What would my legacy have been? My legacy would have been he came from nothing, made something out of it, and retired at an early age. Nowhere in there would people have said my life was better as a result of having known him. And my legacy today, that's what I want it to be. I want people to look at me, you know, when they lay me parallel, and they'll say, man, my life was better because I knew that guy. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. You know, I'm, I'm going to go out of order a little bit in terms of the questions that I had I'd sent you because you, you talked, you mentioned the word significance and you, you use that word significance a lot. And many people think that being significant or living a significant life requires you to do something big, but that's not necessarily true, is it? I don't think it's true at all. I think it has no relevance whatsoever into the magnitude of the size of your significance. You know, you can be totally significant just to your own family. I mean, you can be significant in so many arenas. A lot of people attach a dollar sign to that. And they say, oh, well, I can't start a school, you know, over in Haiti, or I can't, you know, well, okay, but what about helping somebody that's right there in your sphere of influence today? First of all, I think, Mike, what we've got to do, each individual has to do this on their own. And I can't impose my values or what my definitions of success and significant are. But for me, maybe I can give you kind of a template just to tell people, for me, success, and you've got to define this on your own, means choosing your own schedule, having the financial freedom to do the things you want to do. So that's, for me, success. Also, success means to me having an engaging family and meaningful relationships. Because at the end of the day, that's what my dad taught me to do was to have relationships. Paramount, number one, I hope we have time to deal with that in a few minutes. I would love to talk more about relationships. Sure. The second thing or third thing that I like to talk about in regards to success is having a clear conscience with every transaction that I do. I want to be a man of honor. I want to be a statesman. I want to be a guy with character. I want to be a guy that people can depend on. I want to take care of myself physically. You know, I'm 
55 years old now, and I'm pretty close to being in the same shape I was in 35 years ago when I got married to Robin, and I want to take care of myself. I don't want to not take care of myself, so success means taking care of yourself physically. I want to learn to be content but not complacent. See, a lot of people, are they don't have the sense of contentment. We choose contentment. But I want to go for it. I'm all in on growing businesses. I love to grow businesses. I don't ever want to be complacent, but I want to say today I'm content where I'm at and I want to enjoy myself. It's kind of like happiness. You know, happiness is not a trait. It's a choice. And we elect to be happy. I think that those are two really important concepts. And I'd love for you to talk about why it's important for leaders to understand the difference between the two. Yeah. In contentment and complacency. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you can always fill in the blank. You can always say, well, Mike, I'm going to be happy when, okay. And then you go, when I get the mortgage paid off, when I get the kids out of school, or I'm going to be totally content once you, you fill in the blank. But experience has taught me over the years, it always changes, right? It's like when I was young, it was like, hey, if I can get this credit card paid off, then I'll be happy. And then if I can get this store paid off, then I'll be happy. If I can get the children raised, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be content. You always move it. The The bar always moves. Always, always, mm-hmm. always, always. But here's the thing you need to learn to do. You need to enjoy the state you're in presently. A friend of mine named Roger Whitney, uh, he had a mom, uh, obviously, uh, and she lived her whole life preparing for the future wouldn't spend any money, wouldn't go on vacation. Uh, She saved every dollar. And then at 47 years old, she got cancer and died. Well, she lived 47 years and she never lived, right? She didn't Mm -hmm. learn to enjoy her present position. Now, that doesn't mean squandering. That doesn't mean living flamboyant. It means having some semblance of order and balance in your life. But it's choosing to enjoy the children at two years old. Yeah, they're in diapers and all that kind of stuff. But don't wish them out of that. Because they're going to grow up overnight. My daughters now are 30 and 33 years old. Literally, yesterday, I took them to kindergarten. That's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. And if you wish your life away and you don't enjoy your sense in the present position you're currently in, you'll never learn to be content. All the while, don't be complacent. Don't sit on your laurels or your past successes and say, okay, I'm good now because you'll get left in the dirt. So you want to be looking to the right, thinking, I want to grow this. I want to do better. I want to make a contribution. I want to take it to the next level. Always be in a sense of, you know, contentment, but don't be complacent. And you can do both of those. Simultaneously, you can do those. It's a mindset shift, and you have to train yourself to do it. That's a really powerful thing. And, And I have four kids, two daughters, two sons, and I can relate very much on on how it's just yesterday where my, my oldest is getting ready to turn 11. And it's just, just like yesterday where I was walking her into preschool. So um, I, I could definitely, it brought a smile to my face. Let's talk about relationships because relationships are everything, literally. And and it really plays an important role in in your leadership style and how you lead others and how you are led. So 
Why don't you share your thoughts on the importance of relationships? Yeah, no, I think that's huge. Uh, I want to digress just for a couple of minutes uh, to go back and fully, because I don't think we did justice to talking about significance, if I can be allowed to do that oh, just for sure. a second. Go for it. So those things you need to determine in your own mind, what is success to you, right? Uh, I want to have meaning and purpose. I want to leave a legacy of wisdom. All those things are successful. But then you say, okay, Aaron, I, I get that. I understand that. But I don't know what significance means. And for me, I started thinking through that. I thought, man, what is, what is that? Because you were asking earlier, you said, does it have to be this grandioso thing? First of all, I think you can clearly identify what significance is just by saying it's meeting the needs of others, right? Success has something to do with you. Significance has something to mean for others. Learn to fully engage people. Listen intently. Stop waiting your turn to talk and like really listen, pay attention to what other people are saying. Help people that can't repay you. And a lot of people go, what are you talking about? See, do some things anonymously, and it will do mm -hmm. you more good than them. And we do this with our grandchildren. When you said your oldest is 11, made me feel really old. My oldest granddaughter turns 14 next month. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I got five grandchildren. And some of the exercises that we do, it's really fun. As I'll pick them up on a Saturday morning, we'll go to the Waffle House where they love to go, and we'll pick out tables anonymously, and we'll tell the waitress, bring us their checks. And then we'll leave there, go to the nursing home, maybe play checkers with somebody that's in the nursing home. We don't even have anybody in there. And then we'll leave there and go to the Vanderbilt Children's Hospital and leave donuts in the waiting room, you know, of people that are having surgery, the families that are waiting. And we never tell them who we are. And when we get in the car and drive home, you've done something for somebody else, even without their knowledge. They have they can't do anything for you to repay you. Right. Re recently, we did that. My little granddaughter came up to me. She's seven. And she said, Big A, this has been the funnest day of my life. See, even for children, they want to do things for other people. We want to provide above and beyond minimal requirements. We want to give more. That's being significant. We want to give because you want to, not because you should. That's being significant. We want to prioritize our goals with other people in mind. Now that's being significant. See, these things are not costing money. A lot of people say, and I've had them say to me, well, if I had your money, uh, I would be doing those things too. And I challenge them on that thinking, Mike. And I say, listen, money magnifies what's in the heart. It doesn't change it. Mm -hmm, so if you're mm -hmm. not doing these things today, you wouldn't do it if you had $10 million. That goes back to consciously making a choice. And we have to choose to be significant. It's so powerful because even as you were telling that story, it was it was like I was there with you and your granddaughter. And I could see as you're leaving this the smiles that came across the the face of the person at the restaurant and the mm. old man or woman at the at the at the rest home and then the hospital. And and it it just brings a like it just really lightens up my heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the same reason why I love giving giving people a high five, because if somebody's in a bad mood, immediately after you give them a high five for whatever reason, they're going to be they're going to smile. They're going to a high five has a, a natural way of right. pumping people up. So we change. We change. We can change ourselves. So we're always waiting for our circumstances to make us happy, but we have to make a conscience choice. Let me give you one little example, a story happened not long ago. 
every every time I go to Starbucks, every time I go to a fast food, I'm always buying somebody's lunch, breakfast, or dinner. Always, we just do that. Not not because I necessarily can afford to, but because it does something in me. Right? It helps me to be generous. It helps me to look out for other people. So a few months back, I was in Starbucks. There was this lady in line. She was buying her coffee. <laughs> and this lady, Mike, asked five million questions. I'm like, God, oh, they've never changed the menu here. Just order <laughs> something. And it's Frappuccino this and all this. And I'm like, God, lady, just buy some coffee. It's 730 in the morning. I got to have a cup of coffee. And I'm getting irritable inside of me. I mean, I feel myself getting angry because this lady won't just order. So finally, she gets her coffee and goes away. And the guy in front of me orders his coffee. And I tap him on the shoulder and I said, hey, get whatever you want. And he said, well, I fully intend on it. And I said, no, man, I'm buying. He said, why? And I said, I just want to bless you. And he goes, no, really, why? And I said, seriously? He said, yeah. I said, that lady, I wanted to smack that lady in front of you. <laughs> My attitude was getting <laughs> bad. I said, I got to do something quick, nice for somebody to get myself back in a mindset that I need to be to start my day. And he goes, that is so cool. He said, I'm going to do that. See, we we are in charge. We choose. And oftentimes, I could have stayed in that mindset, and it ruined two or three hours of my day. That's why our mindset is so important. That's why we have to choose. And you can choose to be content, and you can choose not to be complacent. You can choose to be happy, and you can choose to be generous. It's our choice. How, how do these choices that we're making transition into managing the relationships where, especially in in the places where we are in a leadership position. Yeah. Here's the thing. And this is a foreign concept to a lot of people. And I've grown businesses for 38 years using this mindset. We have to think about other people a percentage of our day. Okay. So now, for example, these things that I'm talking about doing, we do very intentional. We'll, we'll do video endorsements. And we'll send it to people without them asking. We'll get on social media and we'll promote their book, their course, their event without them asking. We'll get on Twitter and we'll tweet people out. I'll send a text to people and just say, hey, Bobby, hope your day's going good. Or I'll call people and I'll say, hey, Mike, I'm just checking on you. How's Miss Flynn? How are the children? You're waiting on the, the question. You're like, Abram's called me for a reason. You're just waiting and then I go, okay, Mike, have a good day, buddy. Good talking to you. And then I hang up. It makes this indelible impression on your mind because I didn't ask you for something, right? I was really calling you to check on you. See, that's a relationship. Anybody can call you and say, hey, how's it going? How's Miss Flynn? How are the children? Hey, while I got you on the phone, I want to go, you liar. Now we know why you called. You didn't call, <laughs> right? But if you'll intentionally do what I'm talking about, just what I just said, people go, man, he didn't ask for anything. He wasn't trying to get anything. It's the give, give, give mentality. Gary Vee wrote a book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. And what he's talking about in there is give, give, give. Now, you know, if you need to ask, you've got permission to ask. Chris Brogan is a friend of mine and He's an author, and he talks about the same thing. He said, man, don't come right up to me and ask me for a favor until you've invested some time and energy and effort in getting to know me. Well, that's the way everybody is that we deal with, whether you're selling a service or whether you're selling a widget, whatever it is. If you will focus your effort and energy out to try to help them be successful, how you can meet their needs, how you can promote them, man, the natural reciprocity, it will come back to you tenfold. And if you want to be impactful leader, if you will do those things, you'll be different, 
right? Most people don't do that. You'll stand out. You won't be following the herd. You'll be creating the new path. You'll be the leader out front. And that's what we've chosen to do now for almost four decades, and it's worked masterfully. That is so powerful. Have you ever read the book, The Art of People by Dave Kirpin? I've not. I'm writing it down. I'm taking notes, Mike. You're giving me some good ones. It, it's the it's the modern day version of how to win friends and influence sure. people. Carnegie. That's a great book. That's a must yeah. read also. So what's the name again? Give me the name. It's called, it's called The Art of People. And who's the author? Dave Kirpin. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So he, powerful book. He's a great, great guy. Um, He's a social media expert also, and he's a New York Times bestselling author. And and that book is is got a lot of pearls of wisdom for for today. Thank you. You know, you you talked about your construction company and and how you grew that to where you did. And you did something. I, I was listening to an interview that you did, and and you mentioned that that you formed a sort of a, a mastermind, if you will, with your competitors. Yeah. Yeah. And that blew me away because most people have just such a, a limited set of beliefs as it relates to sharing any knowledge or or anything with competitors, and let alone you form this partnership or something. Let me tell the story. Yeah, please do. All right, here we go. So there's 10 master custom builders uh, in Nashville. We all did high-end houses. We did some lower-end houses, but we really focused on high-end houses. And so there was about 10 builders that really got the lion's share uh, of that kind of house. And so we were friends, like acquaintances, but you know how that is, it's competition. So we got together and we said, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we form an alliance? And we did. It's called the Master Custom Builder Council. And why don't we get together once a month and let's share ideas, which was really foreign to everybody. And said, what? Share? Are you kidding? We're competitors. So here's what we did. For years, we met and we started sharing uh, different resources. We would bring in different vendors and we would let them pitch their product. And so let's just use paint, for example. We'd bring in Sherwin-Williams and they would give us their pitch on paint. And then we would say, hey, that's cool. If we bought X thousand dollars worth of that and we all bought from you, they're like, oh, man, you would get a discount. Well, when you got all these discounts on all these vendors, it makes you more competitive. And so then you can go out there to the market and advertise your services uh, for less, which makes you more competitive. And so everybody started getting more business because we were pooling our resources. Not only that, we started sharing subcontractors. It's like, hey, I need a drywall guy. Mine's not busy right now. Hey, go help Bobby. And he would do that, which kept the drywall contractor busy, right? Because now he's working in a group rather than stand alone. And so now he doesn't, now he's getting shared. Same way we would do parade of homes. So we would do 10 or 12 parade of homes a year, you know, houses. We would invite the community in. We would give the money to charity. So now we're collecting thousands of dollars for charity. The vendors are getting their wares displayed more in all the houses the vendors and the subcontractors are busier. In the 10 builders, the group I was in, the last year I was in the construction business, we did $115 million in business just here in Middle Tennessee as a collective effort of pooling ourselves together. I became friends with these guys. We'd go on vacation together. I went to Colorado the last year with some guys that we were competing with two years earlier, and we stayed for a week out there in Vail and played golf. Well, 
you see, when you start helping people, when you start sharing, we used to have people come into our houses. We built really nice houses, and they would sneak around, kind of take pictures. And I caught a guy taking a picture one day of a fireplace mantle. He was a competitor, and I walked over and I said, "You like that?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I took a picture. I hope you don't mind." I said, "Well, hold on, let me get the guy on the phone." And he's like, "What?" I said, "Let me tell you where I got it. Here's what I give for it." Well, then, see, what it does is it drops the veil. Everybody starts helping. There's enough business for everybody. But we have this mentality is the pie is only so big. And it's nothing further from the truth. The the pie, you know, it's infinite as to what we can do today in our businesses. And when you develop this mindset, instead of a scarcity mindset, you develop a mindset of interacting, getting. Listen, I can't tell you how many subs, contractors, that we got to borrow or the benefit of the knowledge of the other builder. So we formed an association. I was an officer in that association to where we got together the fourth Thursday and every month and we shared for an hour and a half or two hours. And then we had conferences and it became like nothing that you could ever imagine as a result of being willing to give rather than take. What's the number one lesson that you learned as a leader, as it relates to competition? From that experience. Yeah, I don't, you know, I saw a recent uh, post in the Olympics. It was kind of cool. And I'm I'm going to butcher this, but I'll try it. Uh, Michael Phelps was getting his uh, 700th medal, whatever it was. <laughs> and he was like the pitcher all in. His biggest competitor was in the lane next to him. And the guy was looking at Michael Phelps, and Michael Phelps was looking, and the caption said something like, the competition watches the winner, but the winner watches the goal. Something to that effect. And I'm like, that is so true, man. When you're paying so much attention to your competition, you take your eye off the goal. The champions are leading the way, right? So competition for me is like, I've had people copy my stuff, and I've called them and said, hey, can I help you with anything else? They're like, what? I'm like, well, you're already stealing my stuff. I might as well help you. And it, it's just it's just a mindset. And then you become friends as a result of that. It's like, hey, man, let me just help you out, okay? I mean, well, there's enough for everybody. Let's just get in here and figure it out. And when you develop that mindset, when you hold your cards so close to the vest and you're not willing to share, it's insane. You're costing yourself because nobody wants to be around you because you're not going to share. It's like a bunch of kids, Right. Don't nobody lick on my sucker. You know, it's like, you know, it's mine. Well, as adults, if we'll have the mindset to help other people, doors will open for you that you can't imagine if you're willing to help other people. Being very proactive in doing it. Yeah, the, that's a powerful, uh, powerful example. And the quote is actually, winners focus on winning, losers focus on the winner. There you go. I told you I butchered it, but you got the gist of it. That picture is great. And that picture is great, and it's the uh, the South African swimmer and the 200 meter butterfly mm-hmm. looking up at Michael Phelps. I, I watched I watched that race as well. It's it's amazing. Is a view from the top in your coaching program what you want to be remembered for? Now, at the end of the day, I want to be remembered for helping ordinary men become extraordinary. Uh, I want to be a person that was remembered as to having been a wise individual. And I want to be remembered for the guy that my life was better as a result of having engaged with him. Uh, As far as the actual uh, tangible, you know, business, you know, no, I don't. Uh, Because I've had a number of businesses, you can parlay everything I'm talking about into everything you're doing, right? These Mm -hmm. principles that I'm teaching, 
everyone hearing my voice can do the same thing in their business. And so as far as what I want to be remembered for, I just laid it out. That's that's what I want to be remembered for. That's powerful. Who comes to mind that you know when you hear the phrase impact entrepreneur? Yeah, it has to go back to Dan Miller. Uh, Dan has been making such an impact for so many years and everything that he does. His mindset is contagious. Uh, he's got a wonderful outlook on life. He enjoys every moment of every day. He's very proactive, and we've developed that mindset over the past two decades. Uh, we enjoy our family. And I tell guys, I can teach you to make money. It's not that hard to make money. It's really not. But what's hard to do is live a life holistically. And I tell guys when I'm teaching them in business how to make money, don't come home at the expense of your family and make a lot of money because you'll have a pocket full of money and you'll come home to a house full of strangers. And Mm. at the end of the day, you're still a loser. And I want to teach guys to segment their lives in regards to being able to say for this many hours, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to be present when I'm present. I'm not going to be sneaking around with my cell phone and trying to figure out what did I miss on social media. Uh, I wrote a blog post a couple of weeks ago called Love the One You're With. And what inspired that was we went to a local restaurant, and I just looked around the tables. We took our oldest granddaughter to celebrate an occasion, just the three of us, and uh, nobody was talking. Everybody was on their devices. There was a couple sitting next to us for an hour and 15 minutes. They didn't speak. They neither, neither one got off their device. And I thought, we're more interested in who we're not with than who we're with. And what you're mm-hmm. going to do is look back one day and regret that because the relationships tangibly, physically that you're involved in are going to suffer as a result of us being on our devices. And so I just simply titled it, Learn to love the one you're with. That is powerful, sage wisdom there. What's the one thing that you want people to remember from our conversation? Yeah, you know, it's uh, you can do it. You know, I had a mantra that I've lived by my entire life. Can't, couldn't do it, and could, did it all. See, my response to things now, people say, can you do this? Yes, I can do it. What is it? I just need some time. I need to figure it out. I can do it. You need to have a mindset of can. And the other mantra that I've lived my entire life by is fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. And if you will adopt those two mantras in your life, there's nothing that you can't do. I know you can do whatever it is you want to. Learn to delay gratification. You know, put off the benefits to a later date. You'll have time for that. Grow it very purposeful and very meaningful, niche down and be the inch wide and a mile deep. Develop a mindset of I can do it and fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. Uh, And if you'll do that, if you'll take that away from this interview, I think it will serve you well. That's amazing. You are an incredibly generous person, Aaron. Big A, as you are well known for uh, being as Big A. Uh, How can my audience interact with you. You know, I brought a little gift, Mike. If it's okay, I'd like to give something to your audience. Please, yes. There's two documents I use every day, and I wrote both of these several years ago. One is a personal assessment. You really got to start at home plate. You got to look at yourself first. There's no right or wrong answers. It's just a thought-provoking document to where it really dives into your identity, your ideals, your relationship, your career, your faith, 
things that are the big nuggets, if you will, and you just answer these questions, it just makes you think. The second one, most people, Mike, don't know what they want. Most people want bigger, better, shinier, faster. Just give me more. That's kind of the mindset. And oftentimes, more is not necessarily better. And one of the questions on this document is if tomorrow morning you were not hindered financially or geographically, what would you do with your life? Nine out of 10 people can't answer that question because we're living reactively, not proactively. And Robin and I, for 36 years now, have planned our life, how we want to live it, where we want to live, what we want to accomplish, our our main purposeful goals. And you can do that too. This document asks you about 30 questions. They're for free. I've taken the price off. So if you'll go to viewfromthetop.com slash impact, all in lowercase letters. I've made those documents there for you. Uh, Hopefully, it'll help you live more successfully and more significantly. Well, Aaron, we certainly appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show today. Been great, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Big A, you are awesome. Thank you for sharing your powerful story with us and helping us understand how we can think about significance when it comes to how we lead ourselves as well as others. I also wanna say thank you for your generosity and offering to provide that valuable giveaway to my listeners. And you can go and grab that by clicking on the link in our show notes page. So visit www.theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash 27 for the link to Aaron's giveaway, as well as all the key points and highlights of our conversation. And while you're there, be sure to support our sponsors, the Lawton Marketing Group and Unstuck Life Courses. We are blessed to have them as partners. Lots of awesome things happening in our closed private Facebook group. So if you haven't been, become a member of the Impact Insider community, head over to theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash group and sign up today and we will add you to this awesome growing community. Thank you, Cody and the Podcast Masters team for helping me produce a quality show. Last and certainly not least, head over to iTunes and tell the world how much you appreciate the show and the stories that you hear from the guests that we provide you each week. Until next time, go make an impact.